Welcome to Whistler While You Retire with Tim Whistler from the Whistler Agency. Here you will learn how Tim helps clients avoid taking unnecessary risks in retirement. With a fiduciary responsibility, Tim's mission is to help retirees and soon-to-be retirees create a greater sense of confidence about their retirement plan. Now, on to the show. Annuities. There doesn't seem to be a middle-of-the-road attitude about them. You either despise them or you embrace them wholeheartedly. I'm so glad to have you back here listening to the Whistler While You Retire podcast, hosted by Tim Whistler of the Whistler Agency. I'm Patrice Sikora. And this time around, Tim wants to help you better understand the differences of what can be a complicated but beneficial option for retirement. Tim, you say annuities are seen as the good, <laughs> the bad, and the ugly. Help me understand that. Well, you know, Patrice, opinions are everywhere from people like Susie Orman, Dave Ramsey, Ken Fisher, maybe your former cube neighbor at the office, or even your cousin's stepsister's brother-in-law, right? <laughs> Information is everywhere and it can be overwhelming, but it's up to us to understand if it's applicable or not. So I believe the reason why most people have such a negative opinion about an annuity is because of something they personally experienced or someone they knew who had a bad experience. Now think about, you know, if we have to choose a roofer or a mechanic or a plumber, are all roofers, mechanics, and plumbers bad? No, not at all. In fact, the ones that I work with have incredible integrity to go along with their experience. Um, but unfortunately, all too often, I meet with people who themselves were sold an annuity that was not right for them, or they know someone else who was sold a policy that was not in their best interest. And unfortunately, it just happens all too often. And I can't stress enough why it is so important to do your homework and also ask great questions regarding the product that is being proposed to you. In fact, as we close out this episode, I'm gonna provide a few questions that you should consider regarding an annuity. And perfect example, literally yesterday afternoon, I'm on a Zoom call. I've been on a lot of the Zoom calls this year, obviously, but I'm on a Zoom call with a longtime client and his wife. And I've been working with Larry and Brenda since 2014. We have a tremendous relationship and I enjoy every conversation with them. Now, this particular conversation on the Zoom call was related to our game plan to convert some of Larry's funds from an IRA account into a Roth IRA. Right. He's still years away from 72 when he has to begin his required minimum distributions, but we both believe it's such a wise decision to begin that conversion from tax deferred to tax free now while we know the current tax rates. So we're utilizing a product that will play a key role in that IRA conversion. And Larry's asking questions about, you know, what does this mean and how does this work? And what if this happens and how can we reallocate the funds? And near the end of the conversation, he apologized for asking so many questions. And I said, Larry, please don't ever apologize for asking questions. You know, it, it is so critical to have the knowledge and the details so that you can make an informed and educated decision. And in fact, one of my all time favorite quotes is from Benjamin Franklin when he said, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. <laughs> Isn't that good? I love it. I, I love do too. That. Tim, what I really love about these podcasts is you lay out the facts so listeners can educate themselves on a topic. And there may be more than one way to tackle investing for the future. So you tell me there is a family of annuities. Let's start right there. So Tim, what are the types of annuities that are available? 
So the family of annuities consists of four different types. There's immediate, fixed, variable, and fixed indexed. Now, all of them are issued by life insurance companies and the products are guaranteed by the claims paying ability of the issuing company. All right, four you said. Four Immediate, types. Fixed, variable, and fixed indexed. You got it. Okay, I, I know I repeated it. I don't know that I got it, I repeated it. <laughs> That's <All> a start. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's talk about the differences then between immediate and fixed. Let's start there. Okay. Well, the foundation of the first annuity that was ever written was the immediate. In fact, historical documents show that the first annuity transaction took place during the Roman Empire, which is kind of cool. Oh, yeah. So the immediate annuity is where a lump sum of money is converted into income for a specified period of time, like, for example, for a number of years or for life. The policyholder can determine the number of years that they want to receive the income, but they can also set a plan should they pass away if income payments are remaining. We call that period certain or life with period certain. But the downside is that you give up access to the lump sum that you gave to that company up front. Okay. Okay. Fixed annuity. It's very similar to a CD. It protects principal. There's a level fixed return. There's no upfront fees. The value of the funds will simply grow by the fixed rate of return that's set in the contract. But the downside is the interest rates are just too low today. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, so, the CD today, you don't even think about those anymore. Not, not very often. You're exactly right. Okay, so that's um, immediate and fixed. Correct. Let's look yeah. at the variable. So the variable annuity is the annuity that closely resembles an investment in the stock market. In fact, it is labeled as a security. It's regulated by the SEC and it can only be marketed by securities licensed professionals. So let's look at the term variable. That simply means that your account value will definitely fluctuate based upon the performance of the holdings inside the contract. Now these holdings are referred to as sub accounts and they're very similar to a mutual fund. The account value is at risk because it provides access to the gains and the losses of the sub accounts, hence the term variable, mm -hmm. right? Now there's an option that can be added to the base policy. It's called a rider. Now a rider is simply an enhancement to the policy. So for example, if you live in a home that has a sump pump or sewer drain in the basement, your homeowner's insurance policy can offer you the opportunity to add what they call the backup of sewer drain or sump pump coverage rider to your policy. Okay. So that way in case water comes up and it damages things, it'll be covered, right? Perhaps another example is if we want to add a jewelry rider to your home insurance policy to protect maybe the value of a wedding ring or jewelry, whatever, all right? You're adding an extra benefit to the base policy that comes with a cost. So one of the riders that are available to it, a variable annuity is what they call an income rider. This income rider creates a benefit that is used to determine an amount of lifetime income that the policyholder can receive. Now, because the rider is adding that extra benefit that isn't included in the base policy, there is a fee involved. But here is what is so important to understand about a variable annuity. Without the income rider, the base policy itself contains multiple fees within the contract, inside uh -oh. that contract. Uh -oh. Okay. Fees such as mortality and expense fees, administrative fees, 
subaccount fees. And according, according to a study that was done back in January of 2020 by annuity.org, they say that the total account fees can surpass 4% per year. So it's absolutely important to understand all the elements of the cost involved with a variable annuity. Now, the immediate and fixed, they're, they're pretty cut and dry. They're pretty vanilla. Correct. What is the advantage then of a variable? Well, a, a lot of times, I think it really falls on the shoulders of the intent of the person that's marketing them. You know, I think a lot of times if, if a securities licensed professional maybe doesn't really have the understanding or maybe doesn't really like the value of what an insurance product can provide, that word guarantee, that's where I see a lot of times the variable annuity products being marketed. Okay. And that's where, that's where I'm kind of, I think one of the things that's so important for a retiree to understand is the detail. You have to understand the detail. Now, now again, a lot of times we don't even know what questions to ask. So that's why we have to dig deeper into it because if an income rider is absolutely critical to the success of the retirement plan, then by all means, we have to understand what it will cost you for the benefit. So one of the resources that I absolutely love to be able to share with my clients and prospects allows me the ability to provide what I call a snapshot of an annuity contract. Mm -hmm. The purpose of this snapshot is to reveal the real rate of return on the policy. You won't find it on your quarterly statement, and it is more important than just the typical year-to-date performance, and quite often the results are eye-opening. So for example, if someone owns a variable annuity, and they maybe listen to this podcast and they're curious to know about, you know, what is my true rate of return? Yeah. I can create a snapshot using a recent statement from their policy. We simply input the date that the policy was issued, the original deposit amount, how much have they withdrawn, if any, the current value of the policy, and the date of the current statement. And it's at that point, the calculation provides the analysis to help the client understand the true rate of return on that policy. What if you don't like that true rate of return? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you should ask that. <laughs> you know, th that's the time when we, now we go to phase two of the conversation and say, you know, okay, first of all, what was the intent of this policy? What did we want this to do? And so if once a client provides that feedback to me, then my next question is, okay, are we still at that point? Because maybe if this policy is three, five, eight years old, you know, perhaps our intent has changed. At, at, since that time frame. So if we don't like what we see, you know, then we can start the conversation of phase two and talk about what do we do possibly as a replacement for that policy. Mm -hmm. Is there any uh, fee if you decide to get out of the policy? Can you get out of the policy? That is a phenomenal question. In fact, that's one of the things when we talk about the annuity being the good, the bad, the ugly, that's one of the things where I talk about with the bad is, is the fact that we have to understand that we may not have full access to the value of the account inside of a, a, a specified period of time. Okay. Right. For example, they call this the surrender charge schedule. Okay. So a surrender charge schedule is determined. It's, it's all up front. It's right inside the contract. It's usually right inside the illustration before we even becomes a policy. Okay. So we, we basically sacrifice full liquidity, but only for a specified period of time while we're owning the annuity. Mm, okay. Okay. So again, that's that's where if we're going to make a change, one of the things that I have to look for on that statement is obviously account value. That's the first thing we usually look at. What's my account value? Heaven forbid if I pass away, what's the death benefit? But then most importantly, what is the surrender value? 
Because if we want to actually surrender that policy and make a full bore change to something else, the surrender value determines the amount we would receive should we decide to cancel that policy, move the fund somewhere else. Can that surrender value be considerable? It, it can be. Yeah, absolutely it can be. That's why, you know, usually on the, in the very beginning of a policy, like for example, if, if you have a policy that has a 10-year surrender charge period of time or a seven-year, you know, util, usually those first couple of years is where the interest rate is a little bit higher than in future years. So for example, if we have a 10-year contract, you know, it might be a 10% surrender charge in year one, and then maybe a nine in year two and eight in year three. And so as, as the surrender charge period of time, you know, ages and matures, that percentage continues to go down and ultimately it go, completely goes away. So at some point down the road, if a client says, hey, you know what, my surrender value now matches my account value, I can now simply transfer this money and go somewhere else if I want to do that. And it doesn't cost them anything to do that. Okay. Uh, let's talk about this last member of the annuity family, the fixed indexed annuity. It's got the longest name and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> tell me about this as my head tries to take everything in here. <laughs> well, it's, it's really kind of cool. And I hope I break it down this way for you. Fixed means that it's, it has that guaranteed principle behind it. Okay? Mm -hmm. okay. Means that we cannot lose principle. Okay. Indexed gives us the opportunity to participate in an index, but again, our principle is protected. So here's what, how that breaks down. This is the youngest member of the family. It was designed to give CD owners an option for their money when CD interest rates began their demise to what they are today. Which okay? is nothing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's what it is. So, you know, let's get into the mind of a CD owner for a quick second. They have no tolerance for risk. They want nothing to do with the stock market. Right. They simply would like to realize growth that stays with or ahead of inflation. And those are the key elements that created the birth of the fixed index annuity about 25 years ago. The client's principle is completely protected from any market volatility, but it provides opportunity for growth based upon positive performance of the selected index or indexes in their policy. And the statement that I always like to use when I try to describe this is this simple sentence. You can earn some of the up, but you avoid all of the down. I like that. Thanks. You can earn some of the up, but you avoid all of the down. So there's always the possibility to go up, but you've got a, a floor underneath you that you can't go down. Exactly. Do you remember a few episodes back when we talked about Zero's the hero? Absolutely. This is exactly what Judy experienced in her first two years of her fixed index annuity contract. That first year of her contract, which was 2007, right? We were still kind of at that tail end of that bull run right. when she realized growth being added to her account value due to that positive performance. Now we flip the calendar to, this, to the second year, which was 2008. And what a year it was. Exactly. She received that zero because the zero meant that she had the same value in her policy as the year before, despite the index suffering such, such a significant loss in value. So that, that fixed indexed annuity offers the client the ability to reap the benefits of participating in the growth of the market, mm -hmm. but without the pain and the suffering and the experience of volatility from the market. Now you mentioned that you can earn some of the up. If it's a, are you going to really benefit from a fantastic, well, you're gonna benefit, but how much do you benefit from, from an up? 
Exactly. So the interest is credited to the policy in a couple different ways. Okay. Now there is not going to be a quiz after this. So do not feel pressure <laughs> in remembering these. That's Thank my you, job. <laughs> Absolutely. That's my job as a fiduciary, you know, <laughs> making sure that it's not just suitable, but it's also in the best interest of a client. So growth is credited a few ways. One way is simply by a fixed amount, i.e. just a guaranteed rate of return. Okay. Simple. Mm -hmm. Okay. Another way it can be credited is by a cap. Now, a cap is the highest percentage of growth allowed. So, for example, let's say we want to pick one of the S&P indexes, for example, mm -hmm. and they have a cap set at 4%. One year from now, if that index has grown by 6%, we get 4. If it grows by 2, we get 2. We get all of the growth up to the cap. Does the cap vary? From policy to policy? Yes, it can vary from policy to policy and it can vary from anniversary to anniversary. So the life insurance companies kind of tweak them year after year. Okay. Mm -hmm. Another method of growth can be via what they call a spread. So the amount credited is all of the growth after we've met the spread. So there's no ceiling attached to it, but we just have to meet the spread first. So for example, let's say the index that we have selected realizes an 8% growth. And the spread was set at 2.5%. Simple math, the client receives the difference, which would be 5.5%. So if we think the market actually might do pretty well over that next 12 months or 24 months, whatever the anniversary is of that index, we get all of the growth once we have surpassed the spread, okay? The final one is what we call a participation rate. So let's say for example, an index has set the participation rate to be at 70%, okay? Keeping the math simple. Let's say the index anniversary comes up and it, per it performed with a 10% growth this past year. And we had a 70% participation rate. That means the client would receive 70% of that 10. Oh, okay. 7%. Right. So when the index has an anniversary, that is when the amount is credited to the policy's account value. And like you said before, the floor, when the account value is updated to reflect the interest earned, that figure now becomes the new floor amount, which just like in Judy's situation, it never goes below that should the index go the other way next year. Okay. Can the fixed indexed annuity offer a rider as well? It sure can. And in fact, this is probably one of the most ideal situations when it comes to offering one of these contracts, it's not just the fact that, hey, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with the stock market, but yet I need some growth because the bank isn't paying me anything and I'm worried about outliving my money. So one of the most important points to understand is the ROI transition into retirement. When we're working, we're in that accumulation phase of life. Simply put, our focus is to provide as much accumulation of wealth as possible. During this phase, we want that ROI that provides that good, quote unquote, return on investment. We hear it all the time. But when we celebrate that milestone of retirement, and now we transition into the distribution phase of life, we must now create sustainable streams of income. The income is the lifeblood for the retirement you want. It's all about income. And thus the ROI transitions to reliability of income. So to answer your question in a shorter answer, <laughs> A lifetime income rider is one of the most popular elements of the fixed indexed annuity because it provides the policyholder 
with the opportunity to create their own pension from the policy. They have the ability to earn income from, from their policy for their entire life. So this lifetime income could be a good complement to their social security benefit and perhaps maybe a retiree pension. I hate to say this, but you know, the policyholder is going to die. Mm -hmm. So, so what happens if they pass away and there are still funds in the policy? You know, if a client doesn't ask me that and we're engaged in a conversation, I bring it up because this is a phenomenal point that we have to fully understand because it's one of the things that I actually like about the indexed annuity because any funds that are remaining in the account value of a policy upon the death of that policyholder are distributed to the beneficiary or beneficiaries designated by the policyholder. Now, we still have to abide by all the rules set by the IRS for those funds being sent to the beneficiary. We won't take the time today to talk about all of that. You know, is it is it an IRA, is it a Roth, is it non-qualified? But my point is any remaining funds in the account value upon the policyholder's passing will be distributed to the beneficiaries of that policyholder. Okay. Well, so far I haven't heard anything that's really bad. So <laughs> what why do you say there's some bad uh, <laughs> something bad with these annuities. <laughs> well, you know, like we said earlier, you know, we've talked about this before. If, if we're going to pick a particular type of, of um, investment, we, there's basically three different types of characteristics that we can choose from. There's, there's safety, there's growth, liquidity, right? Unfortunately, I've not yet found a product that has all three, but we, <laughs> but we usually get two of the three, right? So if you think of, for example, safety and liquidity, what's safe and what's liquid? A CD because it has no growth, right? A fixed index annuity it has safety and it has growth, but we sacrifice some liquidity for a certain period of time. So we don't have access to all 100% of the account value until a specified period of time has passed. Now we alluded to that a little bit earlier when I talked about the surrender charge, right. okay? So what happens if we need some money from the account and we are still within that surrender charge period? So let's say for example, a 10 year period of time we have access to a set percentage of the account value each year. And in most cases, the contracts will say, you, you have access to 10% of your money each year with, without any fees, okay? Now, if a client wants to withdraw more than the allotted amount, then that's when they would be subject to what we call a surrender charge fee, okay? Uh, yes. That's just simply assessed to the withdrawal if that amount being withdrawn is higher than the free withdrawal amount. So for example, let me, let me give a very simple mathematical example. Let's say your policy gives you a free withdrawal amount of 10% of your account value each year, and your current account value is $100,000. So you could access up to $10,000 without a fee, okay? But let's say you want to withdraw $15,000. Well, because we're still in that surrender charge period of time, that extra $5,000 would be subject to a fee based upon the surrender charge schedule. And those schedules are fully disclosed on the policy, mm -hmm. fully disclosed on the illustration. So we know up front how long that period of time would apply. All right. All right. That's the bad. That's the bad. Now, what's <laughs> the ugly? <laughs> you know, now <laughs> my definition of, of when an annuity is ugly has nothing to do with the fact that a surrender charge schedule exists. In fact, with proper planning, a client will seldom pay a surrender charge when they would like to take a withdrawal. My definition of it being ugly, it exists because there's not enough detail that was provided to the consumer from that professional who was marketing that product, okay? Mm -hmm, we all know that this world involves 
with dealing with people who look at others as like, like a dollar sign, right? You can usually spot them within a few minutes of a conversation. Now, you know, if you have an experience of a timeshare presentation, <laughs> go sit through that calamity for a couple of hours and you know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about, right? That sales pressure is ridiculous. And I just think where a lot of the ugly comes from is the, is the spin that's being presented to the consumer because they're talking about, oh, you'll never outlive the money. And, you know, there's, there's a guaranteed death benefit. Well, that's fine, but there's still come some costs involved with that. So what I try to do is to help prevent an annuity from ever becoming ugly for a client. There has to be steps that we take before a contract is executed. That, that professional that you're speaking with should be counseling you by reviewing your income, your assets, your expenses, and forecasting future expenses, right? Because we, we're all dreaming of this, this perfect and ideal retirement lifestyle, but the storm clouds are going to come up. Life is going to happen without our permission. So that process is absolutely a crucial step in the overall plan. And Patrice, you know the phrase, you don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? Right, right. So we want to create a retirement plan that has multiple buckets of funds with each bucket of money providing purpose. We want to have a bucket of emergency funds. Those emergency funds are not for vacations. They're not for the grandkids. They're not for the Christmas gifts. They're exclusively for unexpected expenses that arise. That's what that bucket's for. Mm -hmm. Secondly, we need a bucket of funds that provides an opportunity for growth, but with full access to the account value. So for example, hey, maybe we need to put some money into the stock market, but maybe we put it into a managed account, right? That kind of maybe that managed account mirrors our risk tolerance. Maybe it's comprised of mutual funds, ETFs, or whatever. So that bucket has purpose. And then finally, we need to make sure we have that bucket of funds that's providing the sustainable streams of reliable income, the income for our needs, as well as any income for our wants. Now, Tim, earlier in the podcast, you said there were some questions that we should know when we're talking about an annuity, questions we, we need to ask. Yep. What are those questions? I totally agree. They, they, they've got to be questions being brought up because a lot of times, if we don't know what questions to ask, then it's kind of hard to go back and say, well, I just didn't know. Well, that might be true, but we have to be able to dig deep. So some here's some questions that I've kind of gathered over the number of years. So that is as at the time of, of the engagement with a prospect, if they're not asking these questions, I'm going to answer them for them. So here's some questions that we need to think about. What are the fees? All right, that dreaded F word. What are the fees inside of this, this contract? Mm -hmm. A second question, can I lose money? A year from now, am I going to have as much money as I had in here before? If not, why? Okay. We talked about that. Some of the up, how does the policy earn interest? How is the, my money going to be credited based upon the policy, right? How do I access my money? What happens if I change my mind two or three years from now? And I think another good question that we addressed earlier is how do my beneficiaries receive the funds from my annuity if I should pass away? Some pretty heavy hitting questions there when you come right down to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. All right, Tim. This has been great. There's so much information here. How can a listener get in touch with you if they want to learn more? I, I would love that conversation. We can set that up. Um, they can contact me via an email. You know, send me an email to tim at thewhistleragency.com, or they can reach me by phone at area code 309 291-0491. Like I said, Tim, thank you. There's so much, so much in this podcast. Annuities, 
the good, the bad, and the ugly. Thank you, Tim Whistler of the Whistler Agency. And again, that is Whistler without the T. <laughs> and to make sure you are alerted to new episodes of Tim's Whistler While You Retire podcast, tap the subscribe button on this page. You can also share with the share button. I'm Patrice Sikora. Let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to Whistler While You Retire. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Whistler Agency. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. An annuity is intended to be a long-term tax-deferred retirement vehicle. Earnings are taxable as ordinary income when distributed and if withdrawn before age 59 and a half, may be subject to a 10% federal tax penalty. If the annuity will fund an IRA or other tax-qualified plan, the tax deferral feature offers no additional value. Qualified distributions from a Roth IRA are generally excluded from gross income, but taxes and penalties may apply to non-qualified distributions. Consult a tax advisor for specific information. The interest credited on your contract may be affected by the performance of an external index. However, your contract does not directly participate in the index or any equity or fixed interest investments. You are not buying shares in an index. The index value does not include the dividends paid on equity investments underlying the equity index or the interest paid on any fixed income investments underlying any bond index. These dividends and interest are not reflected in the interest credited to your contract. Any income rider or benefit is an additional feature available with some annuities and generally optional and come with additional cost. Income benefits are designed to provide income options above and beyond the standard annuitization or free withdrawal features in annuities. Guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Investment advisory and financial planning services offered through Simplicity Wealth LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance consulting and education services offered through the Whistler Agency. The Whistler Agency is a separate and unaffiliated entity from Simplicity Wealth, LLC.